I'm really privileged and honored to be in the presence of Deborah in today's episode of Hangout with Sujata. She's an amazing, incredible, inspirational role model of how you know you overcome obstacles with your mindset. And uh, thank you, Deborah, for taking out this time and hanging out with me. And with that, I shall start to hear your story, your journey by playing the first song on your playlist, which is Roar, right? So let's hear the song. To bite my tongue and hold my breath, scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I sit quietly, agree politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. I stood for nothing, so I fell for Oh, 
Okay. So tell me why this song. Okay, so first, thank you for having me here. And second, I will say my husband did help me choose songs, but we have also been together probably 27 years in August. So he kind of knows me pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and he's more of the music kind of sort than me. But this song is actually one of the songs I use for my energy in the morning when I'm getting ready, you know, that whole dancing, uh, just that high energy. But the words, uh, when you knock me down, I get back up. That is really resonates <laughs> very much so. I seem to get knocked down a lot, but I keep on getting back up again. And the champion, because I don't just see it as myself. I also see it as what my husband's been for me, what my kids have been for me. So they've all been part of this whole support network for me. So I will say, I also think of that. We do use that, try to use that song to wake my person up sometimes, but it doesn't quite work. And then, of course, the roar, right? Because sometimes I'm roaring out of championship, winning and succeeding. And sometimes out of just, you know, frustrations of trying to get things accomplished. So both time, both ways that words and the sen sentences mean and resonate with me. Would you like to tell the audience a little about the challenges that you have faced in life? Sure. That's a long story, but quick, I mean, I can go probably for hours on that alone, but quick summary. I am, by the way, I'm Deborah. I, and I definitely appreciate the opportunity to share my story. So thank you very much for having me as a guest. My story is a long one and a quick sum. I have multiple disabilities, three of two of which are rare. Uh, one of which less than a thousand are diagnosed a year uh, in the United States with myasthenia gravis. So it is a very rare neurological autoimmune condition. And another one that I have is Ehlers-Danlos, E-H-L-E-R-S-Danlos, uh, D-A-N-L-O-S. That is a rare connective tissue disease. Uh, there are 14 types that we know of right now. And in my case, I have a hypermobility type. So once anything stretches, it can't retighten. And once it's, sublux once it's stretched, it subluxes and or dislocates extremely easily. Nothing holds my joints together, but for my braces that I wear. So it's always a journey. I have a lot of uh, internal organs that don't quite work the way I want them to work. It's frustrating, of course, but I can't fix that part, right? And I can't fix a lot of the a neurological and also the severe chronic pain that is associated with all these conditions. A lot of weakness, a lot of muscular weakness, as well as muscular spasm. It is a constant balance between Eastern and Western medicine for management of my pain and management of all of my other conditions. So it is, it's always a journey. And I kind of like to say I live my life between medical treatments or infusions. The reality is I've done so many interviews or activities or clubhouse during infusions. So I can't even now say I live between infusions because I still manage to do things during infusions. So I mentioned these conditions mainly because they're both visible and invisible. Most of it's invisible. 
I happen to use a wheelchair because of a number of these conditions. So that part's visible. I have full leg braces on both legs on my back. I also have one for my neck, fingers, and wrists. So pretty much I have a whole exoskeleton attached to my body. I have an internal machine, two internal machines as well. So when kids ask me what's wrong, I usually say I'm a decommissioned cyborg because I think it's kind of funny. It's a little geeky, but you know, it's all good too. And I also have a whole lot of hardware in my neck. So I am fused from C2 down to T2. I do have challenges above and below my fusion and in my lower back as well. So kind of there aren't any joints that are functioning and a whole lot of wonderful comorbidities or other challenges that are secondary to my other conditions. Just to get a little quick. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the audience can't see you right now, but uh, sometime when I release the video, uh, you know, they will see, but I just want to tell the audience, if you could see Deborah just now, you would be blown away as to how she can smile through this. And the smile is like a million dollar smile. It's so infectious. It's so full of courage and resilience that I am so moved and touched, I can't tell you. I mean, you have to have a spirit which is truly, you can't put down. And that's what Deborah resonates with, or at least for me, that's what I see Deborah as. So with that, I go to the next song, which is Iris, okay? Broken. 
very powerful song that is my husband's mind wedding song wow and i saw the video you had sent me and it's one of the most amazing sweetest video that i have seen you had sent me no right your wedding uh, you know, I need you to fix my audio i was trying to do something and it didn't work <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> i was young echo before let me fix it so sorry that's okay. okay. That should be better. Is that better? I can hear you. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. So that song is yeah. our is our song. And we were watching the movie City of Angels. And at the um Nicolas Cage is at the top of a tower and he has to choose to give up his wings, which meant jumping off the tower and releasing the wings, no longer being an angel to be with his love. And after the show my husband turned to me and said, that's our song. So it's been our song ever since. And we had a renewal ceremony about, uh, it'll be six years in November. And we did our dance. We did an adaptive dance to the song. So that was, a, I shared a link with you in the chat. And that's our wedding song. That's our adaptive dance. And that was wonderful. And uh... You know, I call people human angels. I think that you and your husband are two human angels who found each other. And that's a very incredible uh, story of love, I would say, and of being together. Okay. So the next song is It's My Life. Right? Okay. song for the broken hearted
Wow. Okay, so let's hear it. <laughs> well, first off, I actually share a birthday, same birthday as Don John Bon Jovi. So I have to, you know, say that it's not why we chose a song, but I happen to have, we happen to have the same birthday. Uh, I also, well, I guess I did come of age during his songs, his, his, you know, I don't want to say premiering, but I remember at a, while I started listening to music, he was one of the first people that I did listen to. But there are a lot of lyrics in this particular song that really resonate. Uh, first part of this statement, I ain't, I ain't gonna just be a face in the crowd. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm just not a face in the crowd. Between all of my devices, my wheelchair, my, my strong personality and my service dog, we're not usually forgettable. And so that is definitely something that I always resonate with. But the other statement, and I think that this one resonates the most with me, is I just want to live my life while I'm alive. And for me, that is, well, obviously in the words of what's my life, but because I'm always fighting these conditions, and sometimes we have to aggressively attack certain things, which means I'm more susceptible then to other infections or other issues or the development of other conditions. But my philosophy is, I don't know what tomorrow has. No, tomorrow is not promised. 
So all I can do is live life to the fullest of my abilities today and be the best version of myself today. So I do try to live my best life, at least most of the time. I do try to live that way. I do try to be as engaging and as happy as possible with whatever my challenges are, even if I'm having issues with loss of consciousness, which happens with some of my conditions or just severe fatigue or muscular weakness. We, and you do hear me laughing a lot, but we use a whole lot of humor in this house to uh, deal with all of the different medical challenges. I also do get sometimes a little bit more sensitive to my challenges because I'm frustrated not being able to do what I want to do. Uh, but I will say that part of it's my life and living it to the fullest is, is a huge element for myself. And the other part too is, you know, when it talks about a heart is out and open, like an open highway. Right. And I, and to me, I am very much, I'm a recovering people pleaser, but I am definitely still somebody who is, where's my heart on my sleeve? I mean, completely and utterly, I am somebody who is, I will give my whole to anybody, you know, and everybody, uh, and until some reason I shouldn't, but I always like to believe even when people wrong me that they wasn't intended to. And so I definitely am a person who is very much very open about my chat about not just my challenges, but how I feel and open to hearing other people's feelings. But it definitely allows me to be at times to my detriment, but most of the time not to be open to anything that comes my way, right? And to be very open emotionally uh, for people. And so that is definitely the other element that I saw and the words I did it my way <laughs> because, well, I'm just a tad bit stubborn. And so I do like to do it my way. I'm open to other ways, but I am strong-willed. So if I do see something that I really believe in, I might need convincing to do it somebody else's way. I try to be open to other people's way, but that is definitely uh, something that I saw when I was looking back at the words resonated, right? And then of course, the last statement, I just wanna want to live while I'm alive because it causes my life, right? And that's all we can do is live our lives to the best of our abilities and enjoy every moment that we can possibly do so because that is it's our life right now and we don't have anything else guaranteed down the side, down the way. So that is why we chose that song. Yeah, you see, uh, you, you said it so aptly, you know, it's just at the moment and the now because we can't even predict what will happen in the next moment. And then with, with the life that you have, that's even more you know, necessary, I would say, to have that. But you, you know, I wouldn't say you're stubborn. I would say you are determined and you are very strong-willed and you need to have that. Otherwise, you know, lesser mortals would not uh, be able to go through. Next time I'm going to feel down and out, I'm just going to remember you and, you know, say that, what am I moaning and groaning for when, you know, I just remember you. So because it's true that um, it's your life, but how you choose, you know, the choice everybody has, no matter how bad the scene is, I always say we have a choice, right? And that choice is something nobody can take away from us. And you, you know, show us the way. So incredible every time. I think you will live forever because you will leave a legacy that just cannot be forgotten. Oh, thank you. That actually is, I, I'm a little emotional. I was like, that's like the best compliment you can give somebody is to say that you're leaving a legacy. So 
uh, just got a little teary-eyed here, but I know the audience can't see it, but I'm a little teary-eyed, so I just wanted to say thank you. That, you know, it is... I don't cry very easily, but in your presence, I'm also, you know, the teary-eyed feeling that I have is the lump in my throat and, yeah. Okay, so the next song is uh, Believer, Imagine Dragons, right? Okay. This person, I'ma say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. Oh, ooh, the way that things have been. Oh, ooh. Second thing, second, don't you tell me what you think that I can be. I'm the one at the sale, I'm the master of my sea. Oh, ooh, the master of my sea. Oh, ooh. From a young age, taking my soak into the masses, writing my poems for the few that look at me, took at me, shook at me, killing me, singing from heartache, from the pain, taking my message from the veins, speaking my lesson from the brain, seeing the beauty through the... Yes. 
I just, I was laughing because as you were playing it, I was sort of singing a little bit and my son just walked by and he was looking at me going, what are you doing? <laughs> but so there's a number of things in the song uh, that definitely uh, resonate besides the word pain, uh, but that, and I will say also, I think uh, Imagine Dragons is the only concert my husband and children, my service dog and I all went to together. So they were probably about four or five years ago, all of us went to an Imagine Dragons uh, show together. Not sure they, you know, I, we went with the boys and it was great. Uh, but I will say before I go into some of the other parts of it, one of the sentences, I'm trying to get back to it, because it's something that definitely uh, fits right in uh, getting the drive through the pain, you know, get uh, my love of life and drive coming through my pain. That is for certain. It, so I'm trying to find, I just saw it, I had it, and I just forgot the exact words before it, but it talks about uh, finding that drive through that pain. And that is something that I continuously do. And it's, I've always been driven. I've always been one to be of service to people. I don't remember a time that I wasn't a service or community service oriented person. But I know that I've also been given, you know, I want to say given my drive. I have, I am a driven person. Despite all my challenges, I am still a very much type A personality. So I am definitely driven to succeed. And because of my experiences in the medical system, I am driven to be an advocate. You know, I have planned for my entire life, not my entire life, probably since my early teen years, to be, be in politics. That was what I was planning for a career in. And my, my, my undergraduate in political, is in political science, my master's in higher education. And then my, I was five units away from a law degree before a medical problem arose. And I was unfortunately able, not able to finish within time limitations of, this, of the ABA. But I have been driven to be an advocate because of all the challenges I face getting my medical care. And more importantly, if I've had these challenges and I come from a, a very good household, a very good community, uh, I am a light-skinned woman, and I have amazing insurance, a good, at least good insurance. So if I'm not getting it with these things, and I am also been practicing public speaking since gosh, at least age 13, if not younger, then how can other people get what they need? So I have been driven to, you know, through my life and through my pain issues or medical issues to become that advocate. So that sentence always rings true with me. And just the believer word, I am, I do believe, I'm a believer in any, in that we are here for a purpose, that whatever the challenges are, whatever life throws our way, there's either a lesson to learn, an experience to learn, or something that we can give back to other people in similar situations. And sometimes it's really hard to see that. I can say, find that silver lining and you're in the middle of those challenges could be extraordinarily difficult but it's there. Sometimes it might take years to show. And I give the example of in the fall, I wrote a chapter in a collaborative book called Absolute Will. And I was writing about my diagnosis of myasthenia gravis and the impact on my family, as well as how did I redefine success for myself and find my own path. While writing it, I was in tears almost the whole time. I had not realized I hadn't grieved yet for those losses. Still kind of, you know, a tough one, but I also realized 
that I am also finding another way that I'm still giving back and that I still have value, even if I don't have that law degree and other things that I was working on. Uh, and then the other part too in here that always, uh, get all, here again. Uh, see, I get emotional very quickly nowadays. <laughs> that, that is one of your that is one of your strengths, and it's one of your gems, getting emotional. Thank you. I think you know the other one too was uh, the singing from the heartache from the pain. That was one, but there was another sentence that I had wanted to highlight. The, my, um, the word, the sentence before was my life, my love, my drive. It came from pain. And even with my husband, uh, he has always been the light at the end of the tunnel for me. And at one point I had very poor pain management. I had actually given back our engagement ring. I had told him, you know, I was trying to let him go so that he didn't feel obligated to be with me because I am nothing, not that I'm not enough, I'm a nothing person, but I'm nothing of what I was when we first met and the abilities that I had then versus now, nonetheless, several new, at least three or four other conditions that I never had when we met. So I didn't want him to feel obligated and I did give him back the ring. And then I ended up the, going into the doctor's office crying because of the pain, because I was vomiting 10, 20 times a day just to get up to go to the bathroom. It ended up being vomiting from the pain. And they finally started giving me some sort of treatment. So it was very minor, but they started to at least listen. But they had not listened until I went in crying and saying that I would, had just ended my engagement because of their lack of care and the lack of management that I couldn't, for, you know, obligate my husband to, you know, commit to me when I was in that kind of a condition. Uh, he did decide to come out to California with me uh, with the concept of being here for a year so that he would be here to support me when I started law school. Obviously, it's 20 years later, he's still here, and uh, we have two children <laughs> and a cat and a dog, so he kind of stayed, and I'm very, which I'm very grateful for, but, you know, it is, it is a challenge, and it definitely, at times, can allow, make us feel broken, can make us feel uh, lost, and wondering where is, we like to say, the next shoe going to drop, and more importantly, how hard is it going to hit, so when I see, you know, things talking about things flying at you or falling down at you or knocking you down, I can't help but to think of all the times that we keep on getting knocked down and we keep getting back up again, but we keep getting knocked down and the challenges that occur with that. And then there was just another thing too, uh, blood in my veins and uh, you're the face of the future, right? So I said that backwards, but you're the face of the future. So, you know, we've talked about this before. I am serving as Miss Wheelchair California at USA. So I am hoping I am the face of the future, at least for the California and hoping maybe for the United States as a whole, uh, who knows? Uh, but I am, I am hoping that, but more importantly, hoping that all of the women that are part of this program, that we are the face of the future, that we are seen by the media, by the publications, by the different things to become and normalize women with disabilities are still beautiful. Uh, women with disabilities still have value. And so when I see the face of the future, that is something that I'm, I'm hoping that we all become uh, because we do have so much to offer. And quite frankly, there's very few people with mobility challenges that are in social media, that are on the papers and the media itself or in featured in books or featured in magazines. And usually it's something extraordinary if they are. Right, it's not the everyday person, 
right? And it's not the everyday person that you see in a commercial. I mean, think about when you think of commercials, how often are you seeing somebody in a wheelchair? Or is it so rare that when you do, it's like, yay, wheelchair person <laughs> and depicted in a show, right? And then of course, most of the time they're not disabled, which leads to the other you know, issues. And when we do have somebody disabled, then you go, then the next analysis is, is are they a side piece? You're like, are they a joke? Are they, you know, are token role kind of a thing? Or is it some role that actually has some meat to it? And quite often it's not, right? And with that, again, it leads to that same element of the face of the future needs to be us. It needs to be people now that are living through this so that people know they're not alone know that there's others out there and that we are still living a life maybe not what we initially intended but we're still living a full life and that needs to be shared so that the children coming of age know they're not alone that there's amazing other people out there and i think of just the other day one of the contestants and she had just posted a photo of her and a young girl in a wheelchair as well both are she's one of the wheelchair contestants and the little girl was in a in wheelchair as well. She just got her first wheelchair, but she got to show her, you can be beautiful and a chair and you can be an advocate and you can have value and you can be celebrated for all of the above. And so that is where I was going with that. You see, as a woman, it's never uh, easy to get a seat at the table, as I would say. And, right. uh, you know, uh, then to be in the wheelchair and then still find your space out there is incredible. And I think you are the face of not only the future, but even of the present. And I'm sure you will go ahead with flying colors. And uh, you, saw, you see that this is why I wrote the book, because uh, we need to tell our stories, you know, and uh, we need to be seen and heard. If people won't uh, hear us, we will still be heard, you know, because that's what your entire journey of songs is also saying that I will be heard and I will not be silenced at no matter at any cost, you know? So, yeah. That is that's... absolutely <laughs> right. Sorry, yeah. my Martin. Hey. <laughs> my apologies. No, my no, office is our formal living room is turned into my office space so we can always hear the kids and the dog don't, and cat don't apologize this is like a normal organic you know podcast with a difference so right. there's nothing to apologize for and with that we come to the last song which is we are the champions so let's hear it i paid my dues time after time Sheldon, 
That one I give credit to my husband for finding for me. Um, and I don't think it could be more, I don't think we could have had a more fitting song to uh, end this and heading into the next few weeks. Uh, so I think this song is really fitting. Uh, just the statement alone of We Are the Champions, I think is just uh, very fitting for the way that I have continued to overcome uh, the challenges and to still keep moving forward. And to be the, my uh, tagline for my business in my nonprofit of Victorious is uh, become the victor in your life and the life of others. So, and I created a logo with a trophy in it that has the letter V in it as well. And it has the disability symbols. But when I hear the song and I keep on thinking champion, I keep on thinking of getting that trophy and I keep on thinking of uh, just even my nonprofit and creating all of us being champions in our path. So that was something uh, that I definitely resonated with. But even going back to the beginning, I've, I've paid my dues time after time, which by all means, I think I've paid them way many times over, like probably lifetimes over. So hoping whatever karma is out there, come back <laughs> better next time. Uh, but, or however there is after life, hoping this karma thing sticks with me here. Uh, but the reality is I, I have paid those dues time and time again in many different uh, ways. And the sentence, I've done my sentence, but committed no crime or sentences or stanzas. I guess the stanzas. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out the right verbiage for it, but I'm going to go with stanza here. I often feel, you know, at times a prisoner in my body, right? And even though I can move, the pain can be so debilitating where the fatigue can be so debilitating that I can't even move. I can get up on the good days to go to the bathroom, but there are days that I'm not able to get up on my own and I wouldn't trust myself trying to get ready without my husband at least being nearby. 
but quite frankly, there are days, a lot of days, especially uh, this past few months as I've been waiting to get treatments, it has been extremely difficult to the point that even though I've created a whole crafting station next to my bed so that I can do things while lying in my bedroom, I sometimes can't even do that. I sometimes can't even do my, my stamping or my coloring because of the fatigue being so, so severe. And I can't say how often there are things that I want to do, but my brain won't either function at the moment or my body won't function. And it does feel at times like I am being punished or sentenced or a prisoner in some way, shape or form. Also, because I can't drive either. So all of those things that when I just, you hear those, that first paragraph or a stanza, it really resonates with that, you know? And then the statement and made bad mistakes. We all do, right? And I always tell my children, a, a good leader just admits when they're wrong, right? And admits when they don't know something, admits when they're wrong. So the main mistakes always, you know, looks and reminds me of the challenges that I've had. Sometimes not great decisions, sometimes good decisions, but somewhere in the way, weaving my way through, the sand kicked in the face. Again, that goes back to the law school because that was my dream. And I, I know I can't sit for the California bar exam. However, I had attended school for six years. I had worked my, my tushy off and had expected to get that degree. I had wheeled across the stage in my grandfather's gown. I mean, I had everything lined up until I had this medical challenge for my company who was creating the compound medication for my intrathecal pump. And I have not been able to convince the law school to either give me an exception to time limitation or take my credits and apply it to a master's degree right? A master's of law. And I feel like that stands to be kicked in my face at times because that was a lot of money that I spent and a lot of time and effort. And quite frankly, with what I was going through at that time, I look back and I'm now surprised that I actually made it through that far. And so it's, I definitely feel that way at times, but the following sentence of I need to go on and on and on. I mean, it just, it's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just sharing these experiences because even if I can't get the law school to ever change their mind or change what they've done to me, hopefully this conversation is going to be out there. And every time I talk about it, it becomes another example of the issues of creating an inclusive community. And when I started law school and when I started graduate school, both locations, I was, and these are two different states, told by either the dean of the program or the academic incoming counselor, disabled people don't graduate, so don't bother starting. Yes, to my face, told that. And another kick in the sand, right? Sand in the face kind of a statement. And it still stings, obviously. I mean, it's, you know, 20 or 15 years later and I'm still remembering it quite clearly. I mean, there's a lot of statements I remember clearly, but that I remember because it showed uh, for, for law school, it showed I wasn't able to change opinions and I wasn't able to uh, redirect and help people understand. For graduate school, I was. For graduate school, the, the dean of that program, after he had said that to me, I ended up proving to him how and why I belonged in the program. And he did share my story for graduation when the president of the university was asking for stories to share. So for that, that one got better, you know, and that became a champion right there again, where they got to share my story at the commencement ceremony at Arizona State, our university is where I did my master's at. So that was a beautiful uh, moment. And oh, child, make a lot of noise over there. Uh, and then these statements of, we are the champions, my friends, and we'll keep on fighting till the end. 
I always feel like my closest friends are going to be there with me and help me fight and keep arguing uh, for me or encouraging me and advocating alongside me. You know, I am uh, really lucky that next, you know, in the three weeks of the competition, and I have several friends that I've advocated with uh, in person or online. And I get to see them and be alongside other women who I have worked for, for Rare Disease Week, for Rare Disease uh, Understanding Programs, Rare Disease Conferences, as well as others down those conferences as well. So being that champion through, when I think of my friends and I think of that champions and them, think of all of us are winners, right? We're all winners. So for me, uh, we are the champions of the world is where that comes from is all of the people we work together because we are stronger together. I mean, I know that is a very common hashtag, uh, stronger together or please, and I don't wanna say it's cliche, but it's used a lot, but it's very true, right? It is, in my opinion, very true that, you know, there is always strength in numbers, there is strength in experiences, there is strength in voices. And so when I hear we are the champions, I'm thinking of we as a collective we, putting, pulling together, and that we all can be the champions of the world and make this world a better space for all people, right? Hopefully, definitely for people with disabilities, and especially, I know it's a lot harder for people with disabilities in, uh, on the United States, of places I know that in foreign countries from the United States, which is everywhere else, uh, that a lot of people have even more challenges than they do in the United States. And so I am really aware of that. Uh, I've been very fortunate through Clubhouse. I've been able to connect quite a lot with women and people all over the globe. And to hear the stories and the experiences really helps me realize not just the individual experiences, but the human experience, right? The uh, element of the human response to disabilities and how do we humanize our experiences so that people can help us without pitying us, but empathize with our journey and it's a it's a um, it's a process right and so that statement i considered a challenge before the whole human race i consider this a challenge before the whole human race is incorporating people with disabilities across the globe creating spaces that allow for true inclusivity not exclusions because of one's abilities but truly creating that space so that we all can access it adapt and be uh, integrated in society in itself so with all of those different things, that is the reason why I resonate with the song. So firstly, what, what I would uh, like to, uh, you know, uh, put forth my observations is you don't need any degree conferred to you by any institution because you yourself represent a legal life manual. You know, that's what I, that's what I've written in my book, right? That this book, which is titled Against All Odds, No Retakes, No Manuals, Real. In this, exactly, you know, I see the things that you have faced, you know, which people face in their lives. Every time you're put down, just remember this, that it's the people who actually, when they put you down, they're only reflecting who they are. It doesn't have anything to do with you. They don't define you, right? And uh, the very fact that you are trying to be put down means that your, your shine, your brilliance is so much that it, it is not acceptable to the human beings who always try to put us down, right? And so you will, you are, and you will always be a champion. So, you know, it, I don't care who gives you the title or not title in any which field, but you are a living example. And when you advocate all this, 
there can be no lawyer's degree, which is more than what you are doing, because you are like a law into yourself where you show through practical experience. You know, you can have all the degrees in the world. And I say you can have theoretical uh, knowledge, but nothing beats the practical acquired wisdom, because that is where you shine. You know, it's baptism by fire. And uh, that's what you're all about. So for me, I think you are a champion, will always be a champion, and you will always be a torchbearer in, you know, in the human existence. So I would just like to end by saying that I'm so privileged, honored, and humbled, uh, Deborah, to have you on my show. And um, Thank you. I think that the audience will have also been touched in more ways than one. Uh, one. And um, yeah, thank you for hanging out with me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so very much for this opportunity to just share my stories and experiences.